Welcome back to the Effective Ministry Podcast, the podcast from YouthWorks to help you have an effective youth and children's ministry in your local church. My name is Tim Beagleharts. I'm a children's ministry advisor for YouthWorks. And my name is Al James. I'm a youth ministry advisor for YouthWorks in Sydney. Last week, I chatted with Anne-Marie about how to help kids pray. Uh, This week, Al, you've had a conversation with Josh Ord at Lower Mountains Anglican Church about helping teens to pray. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the conversation that's coming up? Yeah, absolutely. Josh Josh asked me if he could pick my brain about uh, helping teens to pray, and he asked me three broad questions. Why does prayer matter? What are the obstacles that teens face in prayer? And how might we be able to encourage prayer? So we had a a broad-ranging conversation about that, which was fantastic. So uh, why don't we take a listen to to that conversation now? Welcome again to the LMAP Leaders Link podcast. My name's Josh, if you haven't guessed by my voice. In today's episode, we're talking about the topic of encouraging teens to pray. And my guest as we talk about this topic is Al James. Hi, Al. Thanks for coming. Hey, Josh. Good to be here, mate. Um, can you tell us a bit about uh, who you are, what you do briefly, why you've come along? Yeah, so I work for YouthWorks uh, in the Sydney Diocese, the Anglican Diocese, as a youth ministry advisor. And in particular, particular I um, spend lots of time in the Western region. So that's how I met you. Uh, I think I texted you or called you at some point and, um, yep. and you said, yeah, happy to have a coffee. And we did. And um, yeah, so and uh, look, I'm passionate about all aspects of discipleship for young people. And um, so when you asked me if I was keen to talk about how to encourage teens to pray, I was like, yep, let's do it for sure. Yeah, great. Some of our youth leaders know you you visited our group to give us some encouragement and feedback, so that was helpful. Um, But as we talk about the topic of encouraging teens to pray, I was keen particularly for us to think through, chat through three kind of areas, why prayer matters, uh, what are the obstacles to teens praying, and then what are the actual practical things we can do to encourage prayer in the life of our young people? Let's dive in. First of all, why does prayer matter? Uh, what, are the, what are the reasons we pray? Why is prayer important? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, for me, as I think about what prayer is, uh, you know, communicating with the God of the universe who, you know, flung the stars into uh, motion, as they say, and um we're supposed to have, and we have the privilege of having a relationship of deep dependence. And you know what? I reckon prayer is the primary expression of dependence, of trust in God. Now, it's not the only expression of dependence and trust. There's all sorts of ways in which you can live your Christian life, which express that deep trust uh, in Jesus. But prayer is a big one. Um you know, confession times, it's hard. And and um, I reckon I don't express that dependence as much as, gosh, as I, as I would love to. But, yeah, prayer is the primary expression of the dependence of God. It is one of the big factors in discipleship. Right. Uh, and tell me if you can think of an example, just to put you on the spot, what, <laughs> what, are, what, are, some of the, what are some of the contexts where prayer has made a difference? Yeah, for sure. So, so I guess thinking about the, the two kinds of differences that prayer makes, one you can think about often in retrospect, you know, where you've prayed with someone or, you know, in particular prayed with a young person or in your small groups, you've, you've listed out the things that you prayed for that week. And as you return to those prayer points in subsequent weeks, 
actually seeing that, yeah, God has been faithfully answering these prayers uh, or, in fact, you know, maybe not answering but shaping you along the way. So that's the sort of, that's the, the first uh, way that I, I guess prayer um, makes a difference in the sense that, yeah, we're petitioning the Lord of the universe. And so, so that's going to sometimes make a difference. You know, mm-hmm. that's going to, when we pray prayers that God is pleased with, you know, when we pray prayers that are in line with his will, which we are learning and growing in um, as, you know, as the process of discipleship continues on, then of course there's going to be answers to those prayers where we've seen that actually, yeah, we prayed and we saw a difference. But the second way I reckon that prayer uh, makes a big difference in the life of a believer and and makes difference in the life of a young person is that prayer actually shapes you as well. Mm-hmm. So when you pray uh, and you express that dependence on God and as you think through um, what it is that is God's will and how you can align your life with that and then you sort of express your dependence to God um, for that, for the aligning of your life with him, for the, the things you're not sure about, uh, in his will for the things that you want, um, you're having to articulate that to your heavenly father. And that, that actually cultivates um, discipleship. That makes a difference in the way in which you grow. And so, you know, first of all, you look back in retrospect and you see that prayer makes a difference because you prayed and God answered. But secondly, uh, prayer, the act of prayer is ac- actually uh, a gift from God to shape and cultivate your Christian life. And so, yeah, you want, you want to be teaching young people um, to be praying so that they can grow in their discipleship, not just because they grow in prayer, but because through prayer they grow in uh, all the various aspects of aligning their lives with the God of the universe. Mm. Yeah, right. You've used the language of disciple, discipleship a couple of times already. If we're disciples of Jesus, what examples does Jesus give us of prayer? How did, did prayer matter to Jesus? Oh, totally. I mean, there, you read the Gospels and there are significant times where Jesus draws, draws away from the crowd or he goes off you know, on his own and he prays. Um, and this ha- this happens often at significant moments. I mean, the 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 example that comes to mind most clearly for me is in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, in Matthew twenty six. Uh, we read about there and in the other Gospels as well, where he's he's approaching the cross. You know, like the 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 narrative of, narrative of Matthew is pointing us that way. We know that this is coming up um, as we read, and Jesus prays. And you know what he prays? He actually prays. To God, that if at all possible, Lord, could you take the cup away from me? Um, and then significantly says, yet not I will, not as I will, but as you, not my mm. will, but yours. Uh, and he does that three times. And what I love about that is it actually shows, um, it shows that even, even the Son of God, even the Messiah depends on his Father uh, for all things and expresses that through prayer. Uh, and it also it also uh, shows us that even the Son of God uh, incarnate in Jesus Christ, who is fully human, as a human, wrestles with the will of God, um, always seeking to submit his own will to the will of the Father. And I think that's an example for us. You know, we're able to identify Je- with Jesus in his humanity, and at this crucial point in his life uh, and in his mission. He says, Lord, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with this. Um, 
is there a way? And yet at every point he seeks to align his own will with the will of the Father. Yeah, that is a great example. Jesus does it at significant points. He wrestles in prayer and he, and he shows his dependence on the Father's love uh, in prayer as well. Mm. Yeah, great. So even as we follow Jesus' example, we see his models the dependence on God in prayer. So, you know, prayer is obviously significant as it mattered to Jesus. Uh, as, you, as you were saying, prayer shapes you. Uh, I just it re- reminded me of a, a book I read on prayer by Paul Miller. It's quite a helpful uh, one. And one of the quotes he says early on that book that I've written down and uh, particularly thinking about this topic, he says, prayer doesn't offer you a less busy life, but a less a less busy heart. And I just, I think that dovetails in with what you say in dependence in the way that as we depend on God with prayer, it actually does change us. It changes our hearts in uh, for the better. Um, and part so- of what he's saying there as well is that, is is that uh, you know prayer will help you to prioritize right to kind mm-hmm. of carve off the things that matter less, and I think that's part of what he's getting at there with the idea of the less busy heart, a more mm-hmm. aligned and focused heart towards the things that really matter, i.e., God and His mission and His Messiah and how that plays into my life. Yeah, great. So prayer clearly matters. <laughs> it okay. matters for us as disciples of Jesus, uh, but it matters in the lives of the young people that uh, we're trying to care uh, for and minister with. Prayer is not always easy. There are obstacles, and that's the second thing I uh, wanted to chat about, uh, seeing how prayer does matter. It should matter to us as disciples because it mattered to Jesus. Uh, what are some of the obstacles to prayer, particularly thinking some of the obstacles to our teens praying? Yeah, I mean, the, the one that comes to mind for me, and this may reflect partly my own sort of story as well, but um, that question of well, what, like, what does good prayer look like? Or I don't know how to pray, or I don't know if my prayer is good enough or real or authentic. And there's a whole lot of uncertainty that um, surrounds prayer. And partly because for the most part, prayer um, in, in the culture in the Sydney Anglican kind of world is mostly a private thing. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that idea of, ah, I'm not sure how to pray or if I'm praying right or that kind of thing. Um, and the reason that sort of aligns with my own story is because, I, I mean, I grew up really not as a prayer. Occasionally I'd sort of send up a prayer to God. My, my family was sort of nominally Christian um, and and so I didn't really grow up with a model of prayer. And so I just had this sort of, I guess, I mean, a, I just was really curious when people would say, oh, I've been praying for blah, 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 whatever it is, I'd be like, oh, so so how do you pray? And they, oh, I just ask God for da-da-da-da, whatever it is. And I'll be, no, 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 exactly. Like, how do you pray? Like, do you pray in your mind or do you pray out loud or do you pray by, like, what do you do? Do you write it down? Like, how do, mm. how do you pray? And for me as a young person with, with no sort of significant models for particularly for private prayer, that really mattered to me. That I, like I wanted, I wanted in my kind of quiver all the arrows of prayer. Like how do I? What are all the sort of acceptable ways? Like nothing had been modelled to me really, and so it, it's it's amazing how powerful it was for me when someone would say, "Well, no, I I prayed out loud. You know, I I went into my bedroom and I prayed out loud." Or no, no, no. What I do is I is I write a page a day or whatever it is because I was just sort of hungry for examples of prayer. And I reckon that's a big one. Even in Christian families, 
um, you you can find even in Christian families that sometimes there isn't a whole lot of kind of teaching of prayer or exampling of prayer going on in those settings. And so I reckon that's a big one. Uh, how do I pray? Well, show me how. I wonder, you asked that question, you know, uh, is my prayer good enough? How do I actually do it? How, how did you learn to do it? I, I imagine when you talk and reflect back on growing up, this still isn't your, you know, uh, approach to prayer in confusion and uncertainty. What was the journey between your confusion at that point and your prayer life now, uh, you know, as an adult Christian bloke in ministry? Yeah, well, I mean, that's interesting you say because in some ways um, that confusion or that uncertainty still plagues me because mm. of the model that the models that were lacking in my in my life. Now I've come to terms with that and kind of as I've grown as a Christian and just sort of realized, you know, it's just one of my weaknesses. Not not that prayer necessarily. I'm not talking about prayer as a weakness, although that may well be, but just one of my weaknesses is that I'm uncertain about prayer. But getting from where I was to where I where I am now, where I've come to terms with it, and learning various different ways of praying and um, and modes of prayer and that kind of thing, has, honestly, was just spending time with people in prayer um, and talking with others about prayer, and occasionally reading about prayer, and you know, or going to a you know going to kick or something, and them saying at kick. Well, here's a way you can pray, or here's you know, have you heard of the ACTS model of prayer? You know, adoration, confession, uh, mm. thanksgiving, and supplication. You know, there's a way you can pray, and I've just collected them all. And as I talked about my my quiver, um, uh, you know, with all the arrows that I put in there, I've, I guess just collected more arrows for my quiver. Um, but it, it still does plague me, and I think that's just I'm comfortable with that at one level. Uh, I'm I'm just not a very confident prayer. Um, but I, 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 I'm, I've come to terms with that, I suppose. Mm, mm. So in many ways, uh, not to jump the gun about, you know, how do we encourage prayer, but giving lots of options and lots of examples is a, a good place to start. Yeah. And part of that is just doing the journey with your young people, um, mm. being alongside them in every aspect of discipleship, uh, including prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, other things that are obstacles, uh, to teens praying? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's worth saying um, the, the things like um, habits, you know, we get into habits uh, and I think one of the one of the big things um, at the moment, especially in lockdown, we live our lives in front of screens. Like, you, you know, Josh, you and I are in front of screens right now as we talk mm-hmm. um, and there's online learning. Even before the lockdown, screens are an issue and they sort of form your, they, you know, they, they're one of the big formers of habit. Um, and so if you're not in a habit of prayer, if you're not in a habit of kind of time with God, that can be obviously a barrier to prayer if it's not something that is sort of part of your life. Um, additionally, you know, there's, there's, there's um, prioritization of prayer. So sometimes it's, habit can be good. Even if you fail to prioritize, well, if you've got a habit you can rely on, that'll help you to pray. Um, but sometimes we don't prioritize well in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we don't make time for prayer. Um, we fail to kind of uh, see it as an important enough thing to slot into our life. Um, yeah, so those are, those are two things. Anything else that you think I should talk about? Uh, 
the elephant in the room for obstacles to godly things is sin. Mm-hmm. How does sin affect prayer? How is sin an obstacle for prayer for teens praying? Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think there's a couple of aspects to that. Um, you know, in the book of Romans, it's very clear that all have sinned. Uh, and, you know, and as you read swathes of the Bible, it's very clear that sinfulness is, is kind of part of humanity following the fall. Uh, and so every aspect of our life is tainted by sin. Um, and I think that operates in a couple of different ways. One in the sort of personal way, i.e., because we are tainted by sin, we have sinful hearts. And so that, that causes us to not want to pray or it causes us to find prayer a chore or it causes us to just not enjoy prayer or not see the point of prayer or whatever it is. And so there's, there's sort of sin in our own lives, our own hearts and the way that we approach things. But I guess the other sort of aspect of, of sin as well is insofar as sin has uh, tainted not just all of humanity, but in actual fact, all of creation, there's mm-hmm. a weakness that comes with the fall. So even though sometimes we don't pray because we are sinful in our heart, sometimes we don't pray but because we're weak as a result of the fall. It's not sin in and of itself operating within us, but it is sin in the sense that sin created the weakness or created the sort of taintedness of all creation. And so we're too tired to pray or we just don't think of it or, um, you know, we, we just don't operate in the way that we will when we see God face to face. Okay, that's helpful. So it's not always that every time we don't pray, that's not sin, but often our weakness that is a result of sin leads prayer almost to be lower down on the priority list. Right. Yeah, yeah. Or makes it just difficult because you're tired or whatever it is. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned screens. Um, You know, the nature of our world right now is screens even before lockdown, you know, smartphones, devices, whatnot. One of the most visible screen-delivered prayers I saw was the Pray for Afghanistan stuff recently. Is that helpful? Is that an obstacle, you know, is or is that a blessing that we have these screens throwing up reminders to pray? Yeah, Josh, that's a, a really good question because, you know, that Afghanistan stuff will come through our social media feed. It might come on email. It, it, you know, it might come, you know, through various means like that and through screens. And so, yeah, we want to thank God for that. But I guess we're just conscious that um, even though good things can come through the screen, they're also, they also can be really formational um, when it comes to habits and that kind of thing. And so, you know, mm. you take the good and the bad at the same time. Uh, and you, and I, I guess part of that, again, and I've talked about this before um, uh, a moment ago, it's that doing life and, and helping young people to prioritise and sort of doing life next to them, um, discipling them along the way, um, decision by decision by decision. Um, and so, yeah, it, like a lot of things in life have have an element of mixedness, I guess. Yeah, yeah, sure. Even I just had a thought, uh, thinking back to your comment about uh, weakness, I, um, I I recall my father-in-law saying, you know, he's got a science degree, he's got a degree in physics, and every person has the exact same amount of time every day. There's no such thing as a person who's time poor. The real issue is people are priority poor. Yeah. And I just found that uh, the issue of priorities is also an obstacle. And when we are weak because we've had a long day and a busy day and we're drained by whatever has filled the day, 
uh, often then our priorities still mean that our weakness prayers just further down the list so it's a it's another obstacle i um, find i mean a- alongside that idea that we're having our priorities shaped we don't come out of our mother's wombs with with mm. all of our, sh- our priorities in place and so it's a you know again living life next to young people as we shape our own priorities and align them with with the living lord jesus and that's what we that's what we want for our young people as well so they, they'll make progress in that uh, in so in so far as they're following jesus um and so yeah absolutely i think the shaping of priorities um sits alongside this question of how to you know does prayer matter and what's an obstacle to it mm. to that end prayer matters matter to jesus it's um, significant in our dependence. It shapes us. However, there are a whole lot of obstacles for our teens and us as well as Christian people praying uh, sin as weakness, what to pray when, not knowing uh, how. The question is, how do we encourage prayer? What are some of the things we can do to encourage prayer in the life of our young people? Uh, what are some things you've uh, done that have worked, some experiences in encouraging prayer? Yeah, and I guess... Um the, the, there are various contexts in which prayer occurs. So obviously prayer happens privately, it happens in groups, it happens in public, it happens in sort of mass gatherings, you know. I mean, not at the moment, but it, it may well one day. And so I guess um, all of those different contexts carry with them different opportunities to encourage prayer. Uh, and, um, uh, and I think, again, this living life, next to and discipling in relationship our young people um, in all of those different contexts gives us opportunities to to either teach them show them um, model to them um, you know celebrate whatever it is when they do when they do pray well um, but you know, going back to my story of I just didn't know how to pray because people weren't praying near me or next to me and so I do think that in terms of encouraging prayer and thinking about my own story of I still carry that uncertainty when it comes to prayer because there were not models for me then. Um, how important is it that when, you know, you, you're leading kids' church, that you're, you're modelling prayer and in all its various forms next to the kids and then as that, you know, that then is formative for those kids as they enter into youth group and so on. Um, and I think that that, that has uh, great potential to help people to be confident prayers. Um, I, wa- I, th- I want people to be confident prayers because we have a great God who's sovereign over all things, and so we can approach him with confidence. Mm. Yeah, you said uh, modelling uh, in kids, you know, youth, modelling, uh, you know, what good, not good, maybe a healthy prayer pattern might look like. I um I can't help but think, you know, excuse my hobby horse, right? But as I was doing an MA subject last year, looking particularly at Thessalonians, which we've just done in church, one of the things that came out was this theme of imitation. Paul wanting the church to imitate um, him as he follows Jesus, the church being an example to those other churches around them. And as I looked at Thessalonians, I flicked through some other of Paul's letters, and this is really big theme of Paul setting the example. It's really just discipleship right Mm. uh in that same way but how our prayer as leaders as those who are responsible for these young people actually um examples for them to imitate what prayer might look like so if we have really fantastic prayer patterns and prayer lives and we're praying without ceasing like the scriptures tell us that's going to be what they see 
and what uh, we're modeling to them in the same way if, you know, they never see anyone pray at church before church, after church, when they have conversations at dinner after church, if no one ever prays in those contexts, we're actually modeling that prayer uh, isn't a priority. And so there is that, uh, that need, you know, with that imitation theme to be setting a good example for those young people to be following. And, and I think that that cuts to a very significant issue in all kinds of discipleship, uh, you know, for young people as they live the Christian life, this question of identity. Um, uh, I think that our society around us will, will tell us that um, who we are comes from the deepest part of our, you know, the, the pit of our stomach. And yeah, as sure. we express that, that internal desire of, and that internal identity, that's when we're our truest selves. And so that kind of, that, that ethic says to us, you can't imitate people in prayer. You can only be yourself in prayer. And I think that's really unhelpful because in actual fact, as you say, in the scriptures, it talks about imitation, but not only um, in the scriptures, in the scriptures, um, one of my deficiencies in prayer is through lack of opportunity to imitate. And, um, and as I kind of, you know, interact with young people um, I see them imitating people all the time, even if they're not a, not consciously aware of it, and including in prayer. And so I th- I, you're onto something there, Josh, with with the idea of imitation. I think it's it's not only is it scriptural, but it's hugely relevant for us mm-hmm. right now. Well, in many ways, I was just reading what Paul was saying, but you're right in how helpful it is, mm-hmm. uh, even in terms of saying grace right that's a that's a key example that young people see i mean it's not something that youth group leaders do as often we often don't say grace before supper although maybe that's something we should uh, start doing but i can think of two families in particular where they instead of using grace as say thanks for the food and then let's dig in they use that as an opportunity not to just say thank you for the food, which they did, but use it as an opportunity to pray as a family. And I won't name the two families I'm thinking because, you know. We don't the wanna, Smiths and the Joneses, obviously. The Smiths right? and the Jones. Um, Johnny and Susie are the two names I go to, um, and all the youth group leaders will groan when they hear that. But it's such a great opportunity to, you know, encourage daily prayer for the parents that may be listening. How can you capitalise on a habit that's already there yeah. to model? And, and as a as a parent, um, uh, you know, my, I, my oldest is 13 or is approaching 13. And uh, so we get more opportunities to hear him sort of pray a little bit more independently. And the number one phrase, and I have to be a bit quiet because I don't want him to, to know that I, that I know this, but um, his number one phrase is the phrase that we pray with him every night. And yeah. that is, um, you know, we finish every prayer with, and please help him to trust in Jesus every day. And that's the prayer. That's the prayer that he prays every time. Mm, yeah, that's significant, isn't it? Where you can hear him reflecting what you and Susie are, are praying in his language, mm. just how much of an influence uh, you mm. guys have. Mm. It's a big responsibility too. Yep. Uh, you mentioned different contexts in where we can model prayer as we encourage prayer and model prayer. Um, you know, one of the things we're grieving now is being able to be together in the big church gathering. Have you seen prayer modelled helpfully in the church gathering uh, in a way that encourages prayer in the lives of young people? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, obviously, prayer prayer is done in all sorts of different ways, and the Anglican Church is a bit of a melting pot. Uh, I should say the Sydney Anglican Church is a bit of a melting pot. Often there's little bits of liturgy and little bits of, you know, um, said prayers and little bits of 
uh, extempore prayer where people are just sort of praying um, off the top of their head and then there's prepared prayers that they've pre-written and all that kind of thing. And and thinking about it now, I actually think that's really helpful because it does show that there are various sort of forms of public prayer um, and all of them are instructive um, and all of them are helpful because, you know, when someone prays extemporaneously, it shows that you can pray off the top of the head, off your head, and that's okay. And when someone uh, when someone prays a piece of liturgy or, or, or does the Lord's Prayer, um, it shows that that's a valid form of prayer. And actually, even in private, it's a valid form of prayer to pray a pre-written prayer. Um, and that, that sort of cuts to the whole um, uh, imitation factor uh, versus the, the authentic prayers factor as well. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I think all the various forms that you see, prayer in small groups, prayer in, prayer in pairs, um, often when you see prayer in, in pairs, or that's hard to say actually, prayer in pairs or yeah. prayer in small groups, that can be some of the most formative because it does sort of have that sense of, uh, you know, there's a bit more privacy. You can kind of experiment a little bit more in prayer and sort of find your voice in prayer. Uh, that sounds a bit funny to say, but I do think that people do find a voice in prayer as they pray with others and as they hear themselves pray, uh, as they hear themselves pray. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as well, um, there is value in things like uh, catechism and liturgy and some of the ancient prayers or, or some of the prayers of the, um, it starts with P. Who are the people that, um, uh, they're in England, they weren't quite separatists. Puritans. Thank you, the Puritans. Yep, those guys. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like some of, the, and you know, their prayers are widely available, and and likewise, Cranmer's prayers mm. in in the Book of Common Prayer. I mean, if if you if you open up some of those prayers and you read them, you just see actually how wonderful and rich they are, and how aligned they are with God's will. Um, where sometimes we can be, um, I guess a little bit shallow sometimes in prayer. Uh, when we model our prayers after those that, that wrote them down and published them um, for the good of the church, when in actual fact um, there can be a richness and a theological richness and a depth to the prayers and a, and a way in which they seek to align our hearts, like intentionally aligning our hearts um, towards um, uh, towards Jesus. Hmm. Um, I, I think alongside that, um, you know the value of a catechism. There's a there's a new one that the the people over at Redeemer have put together, or a Gospel Coalition, um, called the New City Catechism. It's 52 questions, you know, one a week, um, and it's I guess it's all about um, you know it's the, the questions are, for example, you know, what is God? Um, you know, uh, there's questions like how many persons are there, in, and it goes through mm. um, theology. Um, I heard someone talking on another podcast actually about how uh, catechisms shaped his responses to um, various situations in life where he's faced with a situation and then he's going, oh, oh like what, what, is, what do I do? And then he, in his mind, just sort of internally recited this, you know, one question in the catechism. Mm. I feel like that shapes your prayers as well. When you've got at access the richness and the, and the, and the reality of who God is and um, where I fit in that and so on, all these things that the catechism sort of lay out for you. Um, it's a it's an incredible starting point for your prayer response to various situations. Um, mm. So I, I know catechisms are, I don't know, maybe they're making a resurgence at the moment. Um, uh, they're a little bit old hat, but I think there's great value in having access 
to simple theology in order to shape our prayers and giving give us opportunities to kind of respond in prayer in quick succession. Yeah, okay. So I hear you say tap into some of those old resources in in the liturgy that sometimes young people are afraid of because that can give us a great example of uh, rich prayer that uh, we don't always have or that we sometimes uh, leave out. I also heard you say free license to those who are leading uh, prayer in church and gathering leaders to do lots of different creative prayers in the gathering. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. I mean, look, hey, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, ruffle <laughs> oh, yeah. any feathers here. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, no, look, that's. I think that's you, a you fantastic have to think encouragement. About, yeah, I mean, you've got to think about context as well, as in like your own context. What will mm. be most helpful for the saints in your own context? So there's yeah. that caveat. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the contexts where we find ourselves often as we lead young people is small groups at youth group or maybe small groups with our junior high uh, kids on a, on a Sunday morning or a kids' church, you know, whatever that may be. Uh, but how, how can we helpfully model prayer? How can we encourage prayer in our small groups? What are some things that have worked for you in that space? Yeah, I, I think um, things um, th- things that are really helpful in those sort of settings is um, setting really, really clear expectations. Uh, I remember once on a camp um, uh, we had a speaker that led us in prayer one one night and, he, and we decided we're going to do popcorn prayer and that was sort of his thing. So the expectation was low. You didn't have to come up with some, you know, long-winded prayer. Um, it was easy access prayer. Anyone could pray it. But additionally, he said beforehand, he said, you know, there are no awkward silences. Um, leaders are not going to pray. Just so you know, everyone, leaders are not going to pray tonight. Um, there are no things as awkward silences. There's only, uh, what was it, um, something about something love-filled pauses. You know, it was just reverent, that's right, reverent love-filled pauses. And so he set the expectation in that moment that the leaders were not going to come to the rescue of the kids to, mm. to pray, you know, to, to pray instead of them. The expectation was that the kids were going to pray and we waited. And it felt like a long time, but he set the expectation that, you know, it was okay to be silent. And then all of a sudden, all these one-sentence prayers started popping up from these kids that actually had never prayed in public before. And so, you know, this, this you know, you asked about small groups. This was actually in a slightly bigger group. Um, it probably would have been the size of two small groups, I suppose. Mm. Uh, you know, these, these year seven kids um, that were new to our youth group that hadn't prayed in public before, all of a sudden were just praying these, these prayers, confidently praying. And so that idea of setting an expectation really clearly that, you know, young people pray. We don't come to the rescue of, of young people. Um, you know, leaders can kind of trample over any opportunity for um, young people to pray because they're worried about awkwardness or they're worried about something not working. I want to say, no, be disciplined and set the expectation that young people are going to pray and let them pray and wait. Um, So there's there's an example. Um, I I think as well, I mean, prayer in small groups, uh, one thing that's really helpful is a bit of structure. So, you know, if you if you kind of come up with, you know, every week we're going to pray for this, this, and this. So it might be someone, one of our friends to become a Christian, um, one of our, uh, uh, something that, that's happening in our school, and thirdly, something that's happening in the world, you know, and then just keep returning to that structure week by week. 
and then start to see what's been happening. What has God been doing? I think that structure sort of just provides a bit of safety again for, for young people to learn how to pray. Mm. Um, and then beyond um, just just the small group, but just in, in youth programs, so youth ministry, I, I really want to encourage people um, and encourage your leaders to really look towards maximising youth participation. So we want young people to be participating in all the aspects of discipleship, uh, mm. but including prayer. And so what that means is, you know, you you have a look at your program and you go, okay, look, there's some formal opportunities for young people to pray. We can invite them to do that. We can train them to do that. Uh, we can equip them to do that. We can make, make sure they do, do it well. So there's going to be formal opportunities. There's going to be informal op- opportunities as well that are going to occur within the kind of uh, programmed activities uh, you know, you might you might be able to sort of scaffold those. You know, provide an opportunity. So, all right, um, we're gonna we're gonna have open prayer, uh, or or we're gonna have popcorn prayer. We're gonna have whatever whatever it is. But you provide an opportunity for young people that you don't need to train them in, but you scaffold for them an opportunity for it to, for them to do it. Um, there might be kind of informal opportunities that happen like outside of the sort of programmed activities, you know, um, and you're probably going to model them, you know, for example, someone's sharing, you know, over supper. Oh yeah, I'm really struggling with the assessments. Okay. So you model what prayer looks like in that situation. A leader, a leader models that and they say, all right, um, Hey, let me pray for you right now. And you just mm. pray. And, yep. you know, and then you might, you know, you might suggest to someone else that they could do that. You know, you suggest to a to a young person that they could do that in those informal settings. So it's looking out for where are all the opportunities that there are for prayer within your youth program, and how can I how can I how can I either um, train and equip someone um, for that? How can I provide the opportunity? You know, scaffold an activity so that they can do that. How can I model it? And then the fourth the fourth kind of way to encourage it, I guess, within your youth group programs is through celebrating. You know, when you hear that such and such prayed for their friend uh, at school, um, you celebrate that within your youth program, whether it's in your small group or whether it's up front. You know, you find the most appropriate and least embarrassing way to do that, but you celebrate it. Um, and so you've got, you know, training and equipping You've got scaffolding, you've got modelling, and then you've got celebrating. I think those are good ways, actually, for all sorts of different um, aspects of discipleship within the within the youth program, um, but equally important for prayer. You know, how can you maximise um, these young people's participation in discipleship, in expressing discipleship within your youth programs? Now, you've thought a little bit more about that. Um, you have an article or you know, from YouthWorks about encouraging that participation where we can go back to those four points if we're forgotten. Um, is that? I, I think there might be, there might be even more than four. I can't remember. I sort of, I've forgotten summarizing. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> well, I will, I'll share that around if you're happy for me to do that. Um, yep, I'll, totally. I'll find a, I'll find a link somewhere so we can read a little bit more about that um, participation in the discipleship process, which uh, prayer is a, a key part of. Mm-hmm. You also, just to backtrack a little bit, you said easy, easy access. Um, I thought that was really helpful. And one of the books I read about leading small groups ages ago uh, was by uh, Morris and Morris. Uh, I forget what her name was. I've got the book here. Karen oh, Morris. Karen and Rod. Oh, Rod. Yeah. And I thought one of the things they said in terms of 
prayer in the life of the this, this, this small group, and they're talking about, you know, the usual church small group, but it's just as helpful for the youth group, small group context, mm. is to have that easy access as a, as a key principle. So for the first week, you do start simple and say, we're just going to say, dear God, I thank you that, you know, this this good thing happened that God, you know, gave to us, whatever. And then everyone just says that, thank you, God, that. And just do that for the week, maybe do that for two weeks, and then add, you know, I thank you, God, that this happened, and I ask you that this might happen in the future as that just that next step so even though it feels a bit tedious to you know say those same words deliberately actually that does give language and shape totally yeah and i think that's that's exactly right and that that like what what the what you're doing there is scaffolding Mm. like that that's the technical term and i think maybe even you know the the morrises mention that in their book they're all about sort of adult learning and not just adult learning but for young people as well Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and that's it's giving those sort of prayer starters, you know, dear God, um, help me too, whatever it is, um, yeah, and the dot 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 factor. Um, yeah. A long time ago, I read a book called "What Happens When Women Pray," and I I can't for the life of me remember who wrote it, but the story was, um, and you can do some googling there if you want, Josh. Mm-hmm. Um, the story goes that this, it was a pastor's wife. She, she turned up at this church and she started a prayer group or she started a, a small group or, or whatever it was, but it was a group of, of, um, of women who got together and they would pray on a Tuesday morning or whatever it was. And when she opened up for prayer, she found that the, the women were really, really reticent to pray. They just, they weren't confident, you know, I think, you know, they struggled with some of the same things that I struggled with. And, um, and so what she did is she said, you know what? You're only going to pray one sentence at a time and you're not going to think about what to pray ahead of time. I'm going to help us move through various topics and we're going to pray together. And so one sentence at a time, you're listening intently and praying with the person who's saying that one sentence and then you're building your prayer on theirs. You know, it's a, it's conversational. Tim Keller picked this up um, and he's, there's a PDF out there on inter, internet land on the interwebs. Uh, I think it's called conversational prayer. So if you Google conversational prayer mm-hmm. redeemer, you'll find this PDF that basically shows this method of prayer for small groups that what happens when women's women praise started in the first place. Um, and I have used this in, um, in very lots of different contexts with young people I've used it uh, in uh, context with older people as well. And taking the pressure off by saying, we're going to do this together. Um, We're only going to pray one sentence at a time. And if you don't cover everything first time around, it's okay for us to go again. No problem. Mm. There's a richness to that prayer, which is absolutely delightful. Uh, And there's a communion that accompanies that kind of prayer, which, um, which is incredible. So I'm just putting it out there. What happens when women pray? Just as good for men. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's really helpful. And now I was just curious as well, prayer groups, prayer triplets, prayer chains, um, the old the olden days where, you know, you got your little prayer bulletin and they came out in a Sunday leaflet and stuff. Um, you know, these days they're emails and, well, not even emails for our young people anymore. Uh, yeah, I mean, prayer triplets, like I just say, do it. <laughs> Um, and I haven't had a lot of experience with prayer chains, but with 
prayer triplets. I've been in various triplets. And um, one of the reasons I think that they're excellent is because you build, you build on the kind of community uh, and the familiarity and the friendship in the group. And, and as, as you kind of return to the same prayer points and different aspects of people's lives, um, it, it enables you both to be vulnerable in prayer uh, deepens the the fellowship between the three or the four, you know, prayer triplet, prayer square, whatever you like. Um, and I think that I've heard stories. I've, this has not been my experience, but I've heard stories where these prayer triplets have kind of lasted, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. Mm. When it comes to those prayer triplets, I think it could be really helpful to invite a couple uh, around you to start that prayer triplet so you can set the expectation of you can lead in how to be vulnerable and set the tone and then after six 12 months maybe you'll, you'll leave them to their own devices and keep going and grab another few and then rinse and repeat so to speak but i think setting expectations as the leader to be open and honest and vulnerable in prayer can be quite significant yeah and when you're open and honest and vulnerable and when you have that kind of uh, continuity of relationship, it, it opens the way, I guess, as well for um, a deeper sense of accountability. Now, to what degree you can expect young people to dive into an accountable prayer group and have it just like that, I don't know. But certainly you can build on that. They can build on that um, as they do have continuity of relationship uh, mm. and uh, as they do have that, yeah, as you say, setting of expectation. Mm. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts in terms of how we can encourage prayer in the life of our teens? Any other um, burning reflections or, or examples that you've had that have uh, been encouraging for you that might be encouraging for us as we reflect? I do actually think that learning prayers off by heart is very significant. And, you know, I have been teaching my my daughters to pray the Lord's prayer off by heart. And they have a sense of accomplishment through that, which Mm. is maybe, you know, by the by, but what, what they're doing is they're growing in confidence there. And so we pray that together and they're participating in prayer. And when we repeat, you know, when, when in my family, we repeat uh, patterns of prayer or sentences that we use in prayer, we're enabling our, our, our family and the young people within our midst, in, in my case, I'm talking about my children, to grow in confidence um, as they pray. And, you know, we're throwing more things in the quiver, more arrows in the quiver of prayer. Yeah, thanks, Al. That's very helpful. Um, fill, up, fill up the quiver, uh, equip our young people with as many different arrows so that they can pray in as many different ways, in as many different contexts as they might find themselves. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate taking the time to join and uh, share some of your insights in, in regard to prayer. Thanks, Josh. The Effective Ministry Podcast is a production of YouthWorks in Sydney. We want to see effective youth and children's ministry in every church. One of the ways you can help us do that is by letting people know about this podcast in all the usual ways. Like, comment, share and review on your favourite social media and podcasting platform. If you've got comments, thoughts, or questions for this podcast, you can email us at effectiveministrypodcast at youthworks.net. Also check out youthworks.net for other ways that YouthWorks can help you have an effective youth and children's ministry in your church.